Well, I have a 9.45, probably like hard stop time. So you think Perfect. we can do this in 45 minutes? Yeah, sure. Cool. We'll try. Okay, so let's dive in. <clears throat> Andy, you want to talk about a little bit about this podcast? Just for This podcast is wild. <laughs> Episode 0001, Interviewing Dentology. Um, we got one out of three. Our mistake, our mistake. Um, and and super honored to have you. Thank you so much for coming oh, on I'm, and joining uh, us. I'm, ha- I'm happy to be here. You know, I've known Tiger for a while, so... You know, when he asked me, I was uh, I was definitely excited. You know, uh, we got we got to get the other two guys on as well. So whenever whenever we set that up, we got to do it. Sahil, so in the beginning, I mentioned uh, very quickly that the purpose of this podcast is to tell untold stories of really the people that are making big difference in the dental industry, and I feel that. You particularly, and we'll talk about your specialty and the whole dentology brand, is making a big impact on the industry, and they're very positive. Like when people talk about a bunch of negativity, you guys are bringing such a positive impact. So we want to dive into this today. I'm I'm ready to answer some questions. All right. So quick, (laughs) quick introductions for like the two people that don't know dentology and don't know Dr. M. I think you were born in Detroit, right? Born in born in Detroit. Born and raised in Detroit. Went to University of Michigan and met two of you co-founders at the University of Michigan, kicking idea of becoming the entrepreneurs. And then I right. think you guys are all three graduated around 2010. I'm not right. sure if all of you came at the same time, but it seems like in 2010 you came to Chicago and started planting the seed of dentology. Yeah. So you know, I think. You know, we so we became so our freshman year of undergrad. You know, one of our partners, Hanny, is uh, he's a year younger than us, so he started uh, uh, the year after. But um, he in so 2000 and got 2002. We you know we met. I think we knew each other a little bit. We used to play in like basketball tournaments, um, and that's how we knew each other. Um, and so we became best friends in undergrad at Michigan. Uh, and we, we, at that point, none of us knew what we wanted to do. Um, and, you know, you know, I don't think it was that important to us. We we're just, Hey, let's, let's think about dentistry, uh, as, uh, as something to go into. Everybody wants to be, you know, going to medicine, especially Metro, Metro Detroit. It's like super popular. Um, so that was kind of like uh, our thought, like, Hey, let's all do it together. Let's all go into it. And we kind of talked about possibly starting a practice together, you know, when we were an undergrad, uh, after we finished dental school, but you know, but there was nothing formal or uh, nothing that uh, nothing concrete. It was just kind of a dream or an idea that we we came up with. So it was always you three. It was always you three together. Yeah, it was always us three together. So we we basically were inseparable from like our undergrad till till now. We're we're pretty codependent still still to this day. <laughs> That's awesome. That's hard to find. It's hard to find. Yeah, totally. And maybe that would be the, like, the first thing we want to dive into because, you know, partnerships are so crucial. And I know that reading a little bit about you guys, you split up the responsibilities, the finances, the, you know, the, the hiring and then the marketing piece. But how, what's the glue? How do you guys keep it up together after so many years being friends? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I think the, I think the, the key, the secret 
is really, you know, good communication, right? And, you know, we, we've kind of developed a really strong bond before we went to business together that allowed us to, hey, if we're pissed at each other and we have a problem or we have an issue, we can bring it up uh, and we can discuss it. And, you know, I don't think any business partnership, you know, doesn't, it, it, it's, it's truly a marriage. You're going, you're going to go through difficult um, and you're going to go through issues that you really need to resolve. And right. And understanding how to resolve those issues are really important. Um, I think knowing where, what the big picture is and what your vision is, if that's the same, uh, then I think that most differences and issues can be resolved. Um, so I think we, you know, are blessed to have each other in the sense that, you know, we, we all have a very similar vision, what, a, what our long-term plan is. Um, you know, we may differ on how to get there sometimes or, you know, how fast we want to get there. Uh, but I think, you know, we are truly on the same page, you know, when it comes to the business. And uh, I think that is, you know, one thing that has really kept our partnership. So I think this might be a little hard since the other two aren't here, but it seems interesting that um, how you guys picked the name and how you guys started. Like, who's the executor? Who's the visionary? Who's the organizer? Like, how do you guys, each personality is obviously different, and who, like, first pulled the trigger to say, let's do this, uh, let's put our name down, let's sign this. Like, how does how does that all go? So, you know, I you know, actually, like, you know, I think when before we started this, you know, we all felt like we had, you know, pretty similar personalities. But, you know, as, as you know, over the last five years of opening Dentology, you know, our, you know, we've kind of realized that our personalities are very different. Our, our skill set is very different. Um, and I think that is, you know, I think they complement each other really well. Uh, and, you know, I would say, you know, I think all three of us, you know, have kind of a grand vision um of what we think like dentistry can be uh but i think that like you know when you when you kind of go down to the nuts and bolts like what we do in the practice kind of it's kind of the um you know i think that i think that's kind of like how we operate right so you know sama or dr Fanasa, sama handles like all of our operations and finance uh and i think he's like a true executor right and uh you know he's a great operator so you know i think um you know, he's kind of that, like, you know, the guy that, you know, gets us moving day to day. Uh, you know, Hanny is, uh, you know, he brings a really strong, like, construction and interior design background. Um, so he has, like, a strong vision on, like, okay, what do the practices like? Um, also, you know, really good with, like, amazing with people, right? So he runs our HR department, um, and he really recruiting our doctors, you know, making sure that, the legal side is kind of on, on, on point is what he does. Um, so he's making sure all of our, our, our T's are crossed and our I's are dotted. He's like the detail-oriented guy that makes sure that things are, things are just done right. Uh, also, just a great operator as well. Um, you know, I, I, you know I, I definitely don't think I'm a, an operator, right? You know, I think I'm more of like that, uh, the marketing side. You know, my, my background is a lot in tech. I, I started a, a tech company in in dental school um and so i've have i have more of that like you know dude, can we talk sales. about that yeah like we can't just escape what that. is that dude yeah <laughs> what did you so, start so so I, in 2007 so i'll you know like my background right i i started dental school in michigan in 2010 um and 
you know, I got really interested. To be honest with you, I started I started at Michigan. It's a great school, but I just hated dentistry, right? Like my first year, I was like, what the hell did I get myself into? I, I, I really had no exposure. I have no family in dentistry. Um, the only thing that I could, you know, I, I liked my my dentist that I went to, and he seemed like he had a relaxed life. He owned his own business. You know, you know, he always had like a new car every time I saw him. So I was like, hey, maybe this is a good thing going to. And, you know, I think that's what, you know, I, I did econ as an undergrad and then I, I jumped right into dental school. Um, and, you know, at that point I was kind of like looking at like, you know, what do I truly love and what do I enjoy? Um, and I got really interested in tech. So uh, tech and entrepreneurship. So I started reading TechCrunch every day and, you know, I started following a bunch of startups and I got really involved in like digital health. Um, so myself, uh, you know, a, a dental school classmate of mine, uh, we started a online scheduling for doctors of Venice. We were the first competitor to ZocDoc um, in 2007, and wow. we we ended up scaling actually pretty. You know, we ended up getting 30, 40 doctors uh, onto our system. We had like a full time technologist. We had a team of like seven or eight people. We we caught a lot of attention. Um, by like from the university, but also like so like Google invited us to you know come talk about our product with them. Um, so the guy first guy who started Gmail, George Harik, uh, like the CTO Visa, you know a bunch of like really big players. They they invite us out to San Francisco to Google to kind of talk about what we're doing, how to scale it, how to build it, and uh, you know I, I think that was like a big like you know probably factor in my life that changed, you know, how do I create a business that can scale that feels like a dental, like a tech startup, but, you know, doesn't necessarily, you know, maybe it's not full tech, maybe it's tech enabled. Um, so that was kind of, that was my introduction to that and ended up, you know, we ended up like dis, the team disbanded. We ended up getting acquired by a hospital, uh, which, you know, in hindsight, I wish I never, which I just continued to work on, but um, <laughs> And, uh, but you know, it was a good, it was a great lesson to, it, it, it was a, it was a great lesson to understanding like how, how do you build a business that scales, right? I did like a joint MBA DDS at Michigan. Um, and that was kind of like more of my focus, right? How to, how to build a business that scales. Um, <clears throat> so really taking great operators, taking, you know, good vision, taking tech and uh, how do you build a business that is consumer facing, uh, that you can really build something that's unique in the dental industry. So, you know, when we when we started thinking about when what does a dental practice look like, what does the ideal dental practice look like, can we make a Starbucks-like experience of going to the dentist, but inject tech in it and make it a very consumer-friendly brand that focuses on millennials? And that's what we came up with, right? Dentology is what we came up with. You know, one of, uh, one, one I think, Hanny's wife was shopping at... Uh, anthropology and she's like what about dentology and you know and you were always available and, and uh it's stuck and that's that's how we came up with the name you know so you know, um, you know it's it was so, uh, it's so funny man when when you say uh handy's wife like you know the story about instagram how filters came along oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I listened to that i heard that <laughs> It's insane, right? Like how how significant other is playing a significant role in your life. Totally. Yeah. So just quickly on that, um, I, I found a quote from 2017, and it might be totally off, but I was I thought it was interesting. So the cosmetic dentist weblog, they when they interview three of you guys, 
You said something interesting. You said considering how patient dental office impressions are integrated or ingrained into the everyday life with interactions before, during, and after a visit is critical to building a practice. Now I connect. I can connect the dots from the tech startup and things like that to see how you came up with that quote. But what, what's your drive coming from? What is what is your drive coming from to push that understanding the whole transaction before the the during and the after the visit? So I think a, yeah yeah yeah. So I think like you know just to kind of give you an idea of how we think about that is we. When we initially started the business, we we found so some UX UI designer put like a user experience designer put together a experience map for Starbucks, and it's really interesting. It's a it's a it's a you know you can Google it. It's probably it was probably made like ten years ago, um, and it's a it's a user experience of somebody who is thinking about going to get coffee, gets coffee, and walks out the store of Starbucks. And you can and you can he maps the entire experience. So we we took that map and we made it for a dental practice. We made it for dentology. So it allowed us to start thinking about the experience of a patient before they walk into the office, when they're at the office, and when they leave, right? And you know I think at that point you know it was how can we obviously building this brick and mortar experience? How can we build something um, you know that has like an amazing experience on all fronts, right? And I think. Yeah, people, you know, they, they, they talk about creating a patient-centered experience, um, but I think they, they use that term extremely loosely. Um, again, what, does, what do people think about your practice before you, they walk into it? That's marketing. That's your website. That's your imagery. Uh, that's, your total, that's your total brand, right? You know, do they, does your brand resonate with, you know, the consumer before they walk into the door? Right. So that's like what it's like before. And then when they walk into your practice, you know, are they feeling the same brand? Do the color scheme, does it look beautiful? Does it feel nice? Does it smell nice? Are the people there, are they nice? Is the experience of filling out your paperwork, you know, is, what is it? Is it an iPad? Is it a Henry? Is it like a, is it like a Dentrix app that is even more confusing than uh, like a paper medical history, right? I mean, you know, it, it's the entire experience, right? Like, how can you, how can you affect every level of that experience? You know, what does it feel like when they're in the hygienist? You know, what does the product, you know, the products that they recommend, how, how do those feel? You know, when the doctor comes in, you know, what is their experience like? When they walk out the door or they're walking out the door, what is, what is their interaction with the practice? Can they easily access their doctor? Can they easily access what their insurance is going to pay? understanding the entire process and, you know, making that a patient-centered experience. So I think people use it loosely because I think they look at maybe one or two of those factors. Uh, but, you know, for a true patient-centered experience, um, it's, it's everything, right? It's before, during, after. And, in, and I think, you know, our future is really that I think tech is going to change that entire process completely. In what way? Uh, I think it's, yeah, go first. so, you know, if you look at businesses that have changed an industry, right, you look at, you know, let's, let's look at really fam- like similar, like not similar, but like examples that people know, right? Like Uber, right. You know, getting anyone, cab- bill, anyone bill. <laughs> what was that? So they just IPO that 81 billion dollars. Wow. 
and That'd then all their when workers they... just went on strike because they're like, I don't get paid enough. <laughs> uh, yeah. but, you know, I'll, I'll use them as an example, right? I mean, they've transcended that, that industry because they've changed the experience of, you know, what is it? How do you get a cab? Or, you know, can you crowdsource that? Um, you know, can, in, go, uh, when, you go, when you finish your ride, how do you pay? Right. So those are the two, I think, big factors that Uber changed. Right. So if you look at dentistry, I think dentistry is going to have to go through that same shift or I think there's going to be somebody that leads that shift. Um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, you know, I hope that it's us. Right. But, you know, I think that uh, <laughs> I think that, you know, there's going to be a lot of players in, in, in the industry. And I think I think a lot of people are not thinking about it and a lot of people aren't focused on it. But I think that, like, we're kind of in that position to start thinking about that as well. Um, can we go a little bit in details on that? Because I visit a lot of offices and I know people are confused about this patient experience. So for example, when you talk about the experience map, right? Like the Starbucks example, can you give us an example? How would that look like for dentology and maybe break down one of them? How would you actually measure so that you know that it's not just the towels, the warm towels that we're giving to the patients, but but give us an example of how you guys approached it. How we approach it in in what what type of sense? So three of you are sitting down. Is it a white paper? Do you guys shut down for four hours? Is it Sunday afternoon? You guys get pizza and just knock it out? Or you bring a patient and you walk behind them and you take notes on what they interact and what works, what doesn't work? So I think you know what we what we did is we actually went through the experience ourselves. Like we okay. acted like a patient. You know, let's schedule our appointment online. Let's fill out the medical history. And you know, we we at the starting we did that really often, right? We would we would go get a cleaning. We would walk through the experience to understand what the pain points are on at every single on every level. Um, you know, but as your practice grows, you get farther and farther away from that. So sometimes, you know, even now, like I'll just go and sit in the waiting room. Right. And you yeah. start, I look at like, you start to notice things that like you never noticed before. Like, Oh wow. There's like marks on the wall. And there are, you know, there are like, maybe the water is not in the right place. Maybe there, this is an issue. And, you know, things, small things that you start to kind of think about. Right. And, uh, so I think, you know, for us, it's always been putting ourselves in the position of a patient and walking through the experience and what that feels like. How does it look like from a day to day? So let's just say, Andy, he started a practice. He's there until 11 o'clock. Uh, how does it, how it's like, I'm just trying to figure out, like, I, I know it's three of you guys, but still, it's still a lot of work to, because it's easy to say, look, it's okay. I don't need to be in the front area to know if there are marks on the wall. Like, it's fine. I just got to take all my patient notes and make sure that they're in the system and I'm good to go. How do you put those priorities in place so that that patient experience is actually important? You're right. It's tough, right? I mean, and, and I think even today, it's a difficult problem, right? As you continue to scale, I mean, the reality is, and I think you know, you're, you probably realize this, Tiger, as well, and Andy, you're going to start, you're going to realize this as well, is it's the type of people that you have that work for you, right? 100%. If you, if you hire well, right, and I think if you get good at hiring well, then all of those things are innate, right? I don't know. Sometimes I don't know 
what what my Studerville look practice looks like day to day or my Bucktown practice looks like day to day. But I know that I have people there that care, right? And when you have people that care, then those things become important, right, to them. And they are they become your basically your messengers to to basically to to roll out the experience that you want it to how you want it. I think the hard part is the interview process to know that they care. You're right. It's it's extremely tough, you know, and you you tend to get better at it, right, with time, but you still always make mistakes. You know, I, I would say we've gotten a lot better of understanding personalities. Um, I think in the end of the day, what we've realized as a business is, you know, whether that comes all the way down to a low-level assistant that has no experience, all the way up to a dentist or a dental specialist, in the end of the day, it's personality, right? Like if if they have a great personality and you like them and they're, they're good to people, then we're, they're going to learn how to do the job correctly, but innately, you're going to get a much better employee. Have you guys built a system on how to like interview process? Is it two, three interviews or you have specific questions that you ask? Or maybe do, do you have a question in your pocket that you're like, you know, like how Mark Zuckerberg will ask what's the most weirdest book you've ever read, like when he interviews people or some stuff like that? You know, as far as uh, as far as like the team goes, right, I think from a general staff standpoint, we a lot of curiosity, right? Like that's important to us. Like, are you curious about your, your are you curious about your position? Do you want to improve? Do you want to get better? Do you, do you have, we don't, I think for us, we don't do well with people that don't want to continue to improve in their field, whatever it is, whether they're assistant or hygienist. Um, we find that people who are stagnant, it's a lot harder for us to, to, to change and to kind of, you know, push them into like what our practice philosophies are. Mm-hmm. Curiosity is huge. Andy, before we move to the next one, I have a big question for Sahil. Do you have anything else on this? No, I, I have I'm, too many. I was just going to cut. <laughs> I am super <laughs> curious about the next one. Smile cycle. How did you guys come up with that? You know, I think, um, you know, just to kind of, I don't know if like a lot of people know what it is and, 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 and you know, I'm not sure if, we, you know, a lot of people even know what dentology is, to be honest with you. So, you know, <laughs> I think that, uh, maybe starting, you know, at like dentology, you know, we created a, a urban millennial dental brand in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, really became hyper-focused on the 25 to 40 community um, and what their needs are as dental consumers. Uh, and we realized it's great customer service, uh, beautiful practices, um, you know, great access to your doctor, right? Good communication, you know, whether that's at your practice or outside of your practice, right? That's a big part of our business. Um, and we started five years ago or almost six years ago now, Um and we started with one practice and we had six ops and, or we started with three ops, I think actually, and we had room for six in our first location. Um, there was like three owners and we had two employees. Fast forward, you know, to now we have, you know, we expanded the first location from 2,500 square feet to 7,000. 
We have 16 chairs. Uh, we have another practice with 12 ops um, in Streeterville, which is like close to Michigan Avenue. Um, and then we have a third location in Bucktown, which is another up-and-coming millennial uh, area, which is seven ops. Uh, and then we're in the process of adding the fourth one, hopefully early 2020. Um, we have we've we've we have about 25,000 active patients, um, and we see about seven to 800 new patients a month. Uh, and we have a total of 14 doctors now. Um, so. So a lot of growth, right? I mean, that's, that's yeah. you know, I guess that's, You're like, no big deal. <laughs> you know, it, Dude, it, like, it, it's not, right? It's still, it's still a droplet, right, in, uh, in what the entire, like, you know, uh, business could look like 10 years from now or 15 years from now. Um, but SmileCycle, you know, we became, you know, really large Invisalign providers, you know, in, uh, in like, we started doing Invisalign maybe the year we, we opened. Um, and we realized the process sucked, right? Like, why do you have to come back for 15 visits? Why does it have to be a year and a half long? Why does it have to be $5,000? You know, you know, can you interject tech and virtual appointments and, you know, create a much more, uh, accessible and scalable approach to doing Invisalign? Um, we've been able to, we fortunately, you know, because of our demographic and because of what we've done, we've become pretty large Invisalign providers. I think we are either one or two in the entire Illinois and we're in the top like 25 uh, in the United States. Um, so we do a lot of cases and, you know, Smile Cycle is like a, a less costly, more predictable, you know, more like we use virtual appointments to, to decrease the amount of times people have to come in. Um, and, you know, we've gotten a lot of attention from Invisalign. So their executives, we've had their CTO, their CFO, uh, this, their chief marketing officer, you know, they, we work really closely with them um, on how to create a, a more scalable consumer-driven Invisalign process. And that's, that's what Cycle is. So it's truly at its infancy, and it's maybe like our little secret weapon that we have that's going to be our, our high-growth um, portion of our business. Um, but you know we're still we're still working on it and, and trying to figure out how to scale that piece of our business as well. I'm pretty sure Invisalign is all over this. Yeah, they like it. <laughs> I mean, they're being screwed by Smile Direct Club, right? So let's yeah. be honest. You know, for well, us, every you know, other thing coming out too. Yeah, the reality is, and, and I think this is what's you know what. I mean, you hear a lot of dentists and orthodontists start complaining about Smile Direct Club, right, and what mm -hmm. they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, story because, you know, three years ago, I had this conversation with them, and I told them, you know, yeah, every dentist, like, hates you guys for, you know, you know buying into their business. Um, but the reality is that Smile Direct Club is, is basically realized that there is a huge need for more accessible orthodontics. And... Yeah, they have a $3 billion valuation and they're about to IPO and, you know, but for us, they're, they're generating a ton of interest around clear aligners, mm -hmm. right? So the entire market is growing because of them. But what they don't, what, which is good for us, is that they can truly only treat 15% of cases properly, right? Without attachments and without IPR, you can't see the movement that you can with Invisalign, right? With attachments and with IPR. Um, so we're in a we're in a position where we can treat 85% of the cases properly, 
We just need to figure out how to make it more accessible to people, right? Mm-hmm. That is the, you know, so the industry is shifting, right? I think Smile Drug Club is always going to play a factor, but I, I think the true industry changer is going to come from the dental, the dental side, not from the non, non-dental community. What are your thoughts on just printing your own? Uh, it seems like that's even a possibility now. And just, I know you have a relationship with the Benzaline and the brands, and, and that helps a lot. But I, one of the things to bring costs down is literally printing. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, I think that's definitely, you know, the direction that it's headed, right? So, you know, the reality is Invisalign spends $100 million on R&D a year, right? So their product is superior right now. You know, their patents are expiring. There's a lot of people trying to get into the space. You know, will that change in five years? Maybe, probably. Um, you know, are they still going to be the industry leader? Probably. You know, so I think clinical outcomes are really important. So I don't think, I, I don't believe, and I've tried other systems, I don't, I don't believe that there is another system, you know, right now, as of 2019, that, you know, that technically has the great, the, as good of clinical outcomes as in Islamic. Gotcha. I have a question. Uh, I've been thinking about it for a long time. When, when you think about the next things, and I'm, I, I'm so happy that we uncovered that tech passion behind you, that you actually had that tech startup. That that when you think about the next step, like Smile Cycle or Dentology, bringing it to the next level. You have that that angle that you're always pro-consumer first. I'm curious, how do you separate like being a dentist? You know, like how dentists are very pragmatic and and it's we all know it's Taipei and things like that. But how do you balance within yourself that other side that you're pro-consumer that you want to push it to the next level? And to the point, I don't know if you have it or not, but worrying about what other people are going to say in the process of you doing that. I'm, I'm gonna try to understand the question. So, how how do you balance being a clinician um, with growing uh, your business? Is that kind yeah, of and, like and, yep, yep, being clinician and then at the same time pushing for the next level? I think you know that, that it's tough, right? I mean, I, I think there's two ways to answer that, right? I think I think in in reality, to be amazing at both things is very hard, right? I think that. You know, being a great clinician requires a lot of, uh, it, it requires a certain mindset to be able to, you know, uh, continue to learn because I'm, what, nine years into my dental career. There's very few things, you know, it, you know, kind of in my toolbox from a dentistry standpoint, um, you know, and I still practice 15 to 20 hours a week. Um, so, you know, I don't, from that standpoint, you know, and I still am very humbled every day I see my recalls, right? It's like, wow, I messed up here, or, you know, I should have done this, and then this should have been better, and I should have been better here. Um, you know, so I think you're always, cha- you always need to improve as a clinician. So I think it's hard to, you know, be an amazing business person and really focus on the business side of dentistry, but also at the same time being a great clinician. But I do also believe that they go hand in hand, right? I think your ability to understand what the consumer or the patient needs is a, is a direct relationship correlation of your experience as a dentist. You know, I know that I knew access was really important when we started dentology, right? I knew that, like, my patients are going to want to know what to do when their occlusion is high 
or what to do when they have pain. And they don't want to go through three receptionists, wait four days for a, a call back or come back into the, come back to the office. Like, I understood that as a dentist, I truly understand that, like the pain of a patient, you know, when they have high occlusion or they have an issue or they're in pain. Um, and that's why access, you know, virtual access to us became really important because we understood that as clinicians really well. So there's so many aspects and even, you know, truly building out a true tech experience uh, for a dental patient, you know, I think having the knowledge of understanding a business, a dental business, but also understanding the clinical side of dentistry, I think is extremely important um, to build out. And, you know, you can have a lot of non-dentists build out like dental experiences, but they may not be great, right? Look at Smile Direct Club. I mean, they're, they're the perfect example of non-dentist building a dental experience that, yeah, from the outside, it looks like it works, but it truly doesn't. You know, so that's, uh, I think, a, you know, that's, I think, the, the true understanding of it. I think to build a great dental business, you need to be, I think, a good clinician at the, at, at the forefront. I think there's if something... You're spending... Yeah, Andy. If you're, you're still being a clinician, what is your the rest of your week usually look like? Are you still hustling and grinding, or are you are you taking a step back? Um, so I I I'm working less dentistry than I've ever worked, you know, since my starting of my career. But I've never worked this much in my entire life. <laughs> if that's if that's the yeah. right answer, right? So um, you know, it's uh, it's it, it just happens at all. It, it it's just integrated into your. I don't think. Sama says as well, and you know he would have been a good uh, person to talk about this. But it's not really a, a work-life balance. It's just how do I fit like everything into my day, right? It's you know you you know I feel like I'm I'm working, you know, in between sets at the gym, or you know in uh, you know I'm I'm cooking and I'm working at the same time, right? So you know a lot of my job now does I don't have to necessarily be in the office, but uh, practicing dentistry at chairside, but um, I think that I think I'm always continuing to to work and try to grow the business. I guess I guess my question was really aimed at like family life and 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 how that that plays a role because sometimes there's kids, sometimes there's wives. I I don't know your um, status. I guess I don't know. So I I have jumping two, over. I have two beautiful girls, right? Oh, one five, yeah. What you know, seventeen months. So um, oh, look at that, yeah. You know, it's, I think family is extremely important, right? And I think the reality is, and I actually, I started dentology the same year I had my first, first kid, no. right? <laughs> so you can imagine that was, uh, that was uh, the top Two kids at the same about, time. Yeah. You know, it, totally. And I think, you know, you know, for me, it's, you know, how do I, how do I, you know, have a great family life? Like as far as spending a lot of time with them and being able to be there for them. Uh, but at the same time, also continuing to build my business, right? Um, it's a, it's a, it, it is truly something that you know you're always working on, right? And I would love to tell you that I have it all figured out, but I, I truly don't. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you, I would believe you. <laughs> I, I definitely <laughs> don't. <laughs> I think uh, uh, it's not even a, not even a question. There's, it's probably something that I've learned from Sahil early on. Any startup can take on this, and and I I think I'm pretty sure it's true that it happened. And so he'll correct me if I'm wrong. Number one, when you opened the practice, every patient had your cell phone number and an email address. Is that right? 
Yeah, that's right. Number two, you didn't have a budget. You would just go in and spend, and you wouldn't really worry about it. It was all about providing that patient care and the experience. And 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 the third one, you you were always available for the patients. I remember I came to your practice the first time. I was sitting at this very comfortable couch, drinking coffee, and then when you came in, it was like you literally came in and you sat down next to me. And I know that it wasn't just me because, you know, like I'm a vendor or whatever I was at that point. You would do that with every single patient. You would just sit with them, make them relax. It's interesting how a lot of startups now are starting, but they're trying to distance themselves from patients. You went in a completely other direction. And I respected that so much about you. You know, I think, you know, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I would say, you know, to be honest with you, I think, you know, it's it's tough to, you know, a lot of people want to distance themselves away from their patients, right? And 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 I think that that's, and I think that's hard, right? I think you 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 truly want to be involved in your patients' lives, right? You want to know who they are, you want to build a relationship with them, you want to build that trust with them. Um, and I think you know by, and I don't, and I think for us, it's you know it was it was an eight, right? I mean that's how we are as people. Right, I think that in general, like all three of us are pretty like friendly and like we're we're outgoing and we enjoy like building relationships. And I think that is how we and we did that with our staff. We did that with our you know we did that with our patients. And and I think you know we were in the right place at the right time uh, with the right model you know to to kind of grow our business the way that we wanted to. You know, so um, I think you know I think relationships are extremely important. Right, and that you know. And you're when you when you're going back to the not having a budget, um, you know that's good and bad, right? <laughs> so you, you know, survived. Our, that's good. We survived. Yeah. We our first, you know, when we first opened Dentology, we didn't take income, right, from the business for over a year and a half. We didn't take a dollar out. Every dollar that we made, and it wasn't that we weren't making money. It was that we were reinvesting the capital into growth. Right, so we would reinvest to buy another chair, or reinvest to add more staff, or reinvest. So we ourselves, we didn't pay ourselves for basically a year and a half. Um, we and we worked, worked, we worked as associates. Worked mm-hmm. as associates for a couple of days. We basically lived really, really small, uh, just to kind of build the business and build back into it. To this Can day, I stop you here for a second? I think this yep. is going to be super important, especially for the kids that are graduating. What was the conversation like between you and your wife when you said, I'm opening up a dentology for the next year and a half, I'm not taking any salary? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really want to know. I'm sorry. Like, it might get too personal, but, like, if you can. It's, you know, the reality is, is you know, it's, you want to, that conversation as you know, affects your household and affects, you know, your your children or, you know, whoever is dependent on you, um, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a tough conversation. It's a sacrifice, right? Like if you're not able to make that sacrifice, then maybe owning your own business is not for you. And, and I say that like very, I think a lot of people, I think there's a lot of interest in building your own business and being an entrepreneur, but it sucks, right? It's hard. Right, you you work, Andy. You're 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 in the the thick of it right now. You know, Tiger. You I, I love you, it. Watched I you. love it. <laughs> yeah, and Tiger, I've watched you when you first opened Zen Supplies. I I saw how hard the starting was, right, of your business. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, every entrepreneur can say the same thing. It's like, there are days where you're like, man, is this worth it? I mean, you know, our associates were making more, more than us at the starting, right? When we initially started, you know, started hiring associates, but we knew that that was an investment into building our business, right? So, you know, I think in the end of the day, it's a mindset, right? If you, if you enjoy it and you love it and you can, you know, if you eyes at night and you think about business and entrepreneurship, right, then you know you're destined to do it, right? That's like you, you should, you're passionate about it, you should do it. But if, if you are not passionate about it, then owning your own business is not necessarily like a, a great thing for everybody, right? So, you know, it's, it's, it, I think it's a mindset. Issue. I'm just I'm just thinking that you know like the more and more I talk about dental students and and that's where maybe like we can start wrapping up and and get your feedback on the the what you said about sacrifice uh, to have your own business is so crucial. A lot of dental students now will be coming out with a dental uh, with a, stu- a student debt. They all have expectations about the kind of lifestyle that you want to live. And then the life starts and the kids and everything, and it all piles up. And I think that's going to add to the depression level of an associate because you have to live with all of that. And right. I think now the, the industry also is pushing for the private practice. Like, Andy, within the first two years, you started a practice, right? And, and I think if we don't have that balance of where you want to go, not the work-life balance. I hate that combination. I don't talk about it. But the combination of the balance of where you want to go and what you want to achieve and what you're destined for and having those conversations with the family, with the wife and everybody to say, hey, we're going to live in a studio for the next two years because we're starting an apartment with roommates. Because we're starting the business, it's so much, it, it is going to be crucial. It's very important. You're, you're right. I mean, I think that like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard, man. I mean, I, I would love to tell you, you know, like I would love to tell you, and I think people look at, look at our business now and say, wow, you know, you're set. But the reality yeah, is easy for you. Yeah, it's it's you know, one, I think I think that term of, you know, your 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 month one, right? Like is you should not compare that to somebody's like year five, right? That's like the I think that's like the one thing that you definitely never want to do to yourself. Um right. And I think it just like just like you said, it's it is a sacrifice. It is like it is a lifestyle change, right? To to go into uh, building, you know, building something that is significant, right? It's not it's not easy, right? You can I think asking any entrepreneur, they'll say the same thing. I'm pumped. I'm pumped that we've talked about it. Yeah, I think that was a that was a good stop before I keep ruining it and ask more questions. But what what Sahil just said here, I I know I'm looking at Andy's eyes right now. It is so spot on. Don't compare your month one to Sahil's year five. It is like it is absolutely the the key. Yeah. Right. Right. I think it's also it's the pony off of that. It's it's the mindset because you're you're opening up in a really people will say declining city, but you're mm-hmm. still making it. So I think. To me, it sounds like the mindset of making it work and doing things out of the ordinary because others don't want to do it and pushing and getting out of that comfort zone makes it successful for you guys. Correct. Exactly. It's very true. That's awesome. So, Hale, as we're wrapping up, are there any books or is there what, – what was the last book that you read if you're a reader? I'm definitely a reader. I uh, 
Um, I, I don't get as much time as I, I did before, I think, to read. I mean, I can barely keep my eyes open. <laughs> by the time, I, <laughs> by the time I, I get, like, both those, both my girls to sleep, my, my eyes are like, you know, I can barely watch TV. You know, I'm three seasons behind of Game of Thrones, which is horrible. Oh, so, no! And I'm like, okay, I'm, I got to catch up. So I'm like, <laughs> I sit there, I put an episode on, and I'm like, I fall asleep. And I'm people are like, how do you fall asleep? So I'm like, man, I like, I, I don't stop moving for like, you know, 14 hours. And I'm like, I, it's very hard for me to, you know, the second I have a second to sit down, you know, I'm going to fall asleep. But um, last book I read... Um, you know, I, I love I love like business books, right? Like or or books about people who have built businesses. Um, you know, I read Shoe Dog, I think recently, which is yeah, that's a good one. Uh, and I think there's a lot of like great uh, stories on like you know building businesses. I I mean, I've I've basically I, I I've if you name any tech like large tech company and the story behind them, I've read I've read the book. Right. So I, I would, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily have one that I, I, I truly like. And there's one I actually I like. It's old. Um, I read it when I first started my and I, maybe when I first graduated dental school or when I when I sold, I think maybe when either I, was, I sold my the, the tech business or um, it was called Built to Sell. And mm. it's an older book. It's just about and I think it's really applicable for dentists because I guess. It allows you to understand you're building a business. You know, uh, you know, Andy, you're not building a business. Andy Tran DDS, right? So I'm not building a business to help more than DDS or Osama Kunas or Hanny Curdy. You know, we're building a business that for building a brand name, and you create a lot more value in your business by doing that. And I think that that book really helps you highlight and understand the thinking behind building a brand and building building something that. Not necessarily you want to sell per se, but building something that if I, you know, quit the business today, you know, that business is going to continue to move, right? And, and yeah. yes, I think I'm, I think I'm extremely valuable, and I hope I'm extremely valuable. But <laughs> at the end of the day, that the business that we've created can survive without one person. I have one for you, Sahil. I think you're going to like it. Uh, Seth Gordon just pushed a new book. This is marketing. I need to. I need to. I need to read it. I heard about it. Yeah, yeah. on Audible. I'm just almost done. I'm like 30 minutes left on it. I, I think it's a pretty cool book. Very, very similar to what you guys are doing already. Cool. Gotta check it out. What's your podcast? My podcast? Oh, uh, you know, uh, I, I love those. Uh, which one are they? The the how how I built this. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah, I've listened yeah. to like every single one of them, you know. So I definitely, um, you know, am, am following a lot of those, right? And those are a lot of the the, the industries that I love, like especially in tech. Um, you know, it has it has a lot of good good ones in there. Awesome. Any closing notes as we're wrapping up? Uh, from from me. Oh. Um, Any suggestions yeah. to the audience? You know, I think, you know, I think, you know, for, I think, you know, don't underestimate and undersell yourself on building something that's valuable, right? I think that's important. Um, I think if you can put your mindset and your head into the right position, you really are capable of doing anything, right? Um, 
and, and, and don't undervalue great relationships. Or great relationships are important, whether that's through your, with your team, with partners. Um, you know, building good relationships help help you, you know, build the support to build something that's valuable. It's amazing. Cool. Thank you. That was awesome. Yeah. This is like, Thank you. That was like a conference for me. It just like sparked a fire. I just want to go do stuff now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, wait till we meet them in person. <laughs> oh, no, no, definitely. I mean, honestly, if anybody, like, you know, even the listeners, if you guys are in Chicago, want to check out Dentology or want to just, you know, uh, you know, talk to us, let, let us know. You can always, um, you can always, like, find us through email or through our website or through Instagram. Um, you know, you know, hit us up and, you know, we definitely are open to, to giving people tours and talking to people. Absolutely. I think the next one we'll schedule with all three of you guys and, if you don't mind, we'll try to shoot for like an hour and a half because I still think that I have so many more questions about dentology and, and what's next. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. That'd be awesome. Well, that was... Thank you so much. No, thank I you appreciate so much, it, guys. Yeah, definitely. All right.